Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. Episode 71, English Teaching Qualifications for Travellers. This week we're in East Kilbride. We're recording on Thursday, but tomorrow when this comes up we'll be in Edinburgh, which is great because Edinburgh is a great town. And um, hopefully we'll bring you a video from Edinburgh on Monday. Yeah, you might have guessed that East Kilbride is also in Scotland. No one's heard of it. It's kind of southeast of Glasgow, but it's... I don't know. It's nice enough, but it's, it doesn't really have the zing and zap of Edinburgh and Glasgow. No, it being a small suburb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've got uh, lots of family here, so we've been uh, visiting people before we leave Europe. And yes. that's our exciting news. We're leaving Europe. Can you believe it? We've been Woo-hoo. here for two and a half years. And although we have kind of left Europe when we went to Turkey into the Asian region. Yeah, we did go pretty far east. Yeah. Well, it doesn't quite count because it's still so close. But we are actually leaving. We're going over to Australia, so we're, we're really leaving. And um, we're going to be going via Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Yeah, so it's to KL for a week. So if you've got some advice on what to do in or near Kuala Lumpur, then please let us know. Or if you're in Kuala Lumpur, maybe we could meet up. Yeah, that would be cool. And then we're off to Perth, Western Australia, and we're going to spend around six months working and traveling around Aussie. So it's going to be good. Yeah, we're really excited. We managed to cut about 500 pounds off my first uh, budget for these plane tickets, so I was really impressed. Yeah, it was great. We were expecting it to be quite expensive, and it was a lot cheaper than, than we expected. Yeah, I used some of the tips in the ebook that we reviewed last week, so that was Serendipitous, um, The Unconventional Guide to Discount Airfare, and yeah, it brought the ticket price down about 500 quid. And we're flying Malaysian Airlines, so the food will be good too. Yeah. Very important. That's all good. Uh, there's actually been quite a good response to that review, so we talked with the author Chris Gillibo and managed to extend that $5 off deal for one more week. So you can still get $5 off the Unconventional Guide to Discount Airfare by using the coupon code INDIETRAVEL, and now that'll continue until next Friday, which I think is September... It's definitely September. Or 14th? Something like that. So until next Friday, you can get $5 off. It's September the 12th. Yeah? Yeah. Me and dates, they just don't go together. But it's definitely September. Last month we got it all wrong and said August. But (laughs) it is actually September now, so you've got one week from now. (laughs) If you don't have any idea what we're talking about, come by the site and have a look at last week's podcasts or visit unconventionalguides.com and use that coupon code INDIETRAVEL, which will bring the price down to 20 US bucks. If you're one of the people that bought the ebook last week, please take the time to leave your comments and thoughts in the comment section on that review. Yeah, that'd be cool. We want to know what you think as well. So this week, we want to roll a couple of listener emails into one episode and talk about how we make most of our money on the road. And I'd say about 50% of the emails we get through Indie Travel Podcast are related to teaching and how we support ourselves. So I guess it's important to bring it up. It is. So here's an email we got last month. My name is Conrad, and I've had my mind set on travelling and backpacking for a long time now. I've been wondering, how do you pay for the travel and accommodation costs? Do you find a job, work for a few months to earn some money before moving on to your next destination? What kind of job do you usually do? How do you earn money to keep going for an extended period of time? Cool. Well, thanks for your email, Conrad. At the moment, we make more than 95% of our money teaching English as a foreign language, EFL, or English as a Second Language, ESL, or English to Speakers of Other Languages, ESOL, 
or any other strange combination of letters, which means teaching people English. Yeah, we teach people English. It doesn't really matter what you call it. (laughs) Last year, we worked for 27 weeks out of 52. We lived quite well with a meal out at least once a day for lunch or dinner and managed to save about £2,000. Yeah, which was good because Linda's work visa expired this year and um, we've been using that up. Yes, definitely using that up. We got down to rock bottom for a while there. Well, in this episode, we want to talk about three entry-level teaching qualifications and the pros and cons of each one. Next week, we'll talk about how we find work, and I guess that show will be a lot more generally applicable. So if you have no interest in teaching ESL as a way to fund traveling, bye. Bye. Go listen to something else. (laughs) We miss you. See you next week. So, uh, an an ESL qualification will allow you to teach in private language schools, or in some countries you can also teach in government schools. Yeah, if you want to make a serious go of English teaching, we recommend a CELTA, or Trinity TESOL. TESOL stands for Teaching English to Speaks of Other Languages. And they are the two big names in English teaching qualifications. So if you get either of those two, you have a very good chance of a job. And if you add that onto a university degree, you can pretty much ensure you're qualified for any entry-level job. Yes. You don't really need a university degree for many of the jobs out there, but for some of them, you you must have one or they won't accept you. These qualifications are normally awarded after a full-time four-week course involving lectures, assignments, and practical classroom time. So you do actually get a bit of practice before you get thrown into the classroom. Yeah, that's right. We did our study in uh, Auckland, New Zealand, and... Our first week was all theory. So in the first week, we walked in and we had lectures and textbook activities and assignments to do. And we also had one really interesting class where it was taught entirely in Samoan. Yeah, it was really interesting. So we walked in and um, from the moment we walked in the door, the teacher only spoke Samoan. And of course, we didn't speak any Samoan. And we didn't know it was happening, I don't <laughs> think. So we got that real kind of culture shock. We got that feeling of bemused disbelief and frustration that you get when um, when you walk into a room and the people in power aren't speaking your language. Yeah. So that was really helpful. In the next three weeks, we'd have classroom work in the morning, like our own lectures and assignments and that kind of thing. And then in the afternoon, we went to a local church where they had uh, voluntary English classes. So anyone who wanted to come along and have English lessons could come along and we were teaching them. Poor them. (laughs) (laughs) So So they got a free lesson and we got free experience. So that was quite good. Yeah. And at the end of each of those sessions, we'd have um, one of our lecturers come in and kind of walk us through what we did well and what we did poorly and ideas to pick up on for the next day. Yes. So that was really good. We got experience in preparing lessons and preparing a short course and also that face-to-face real experience. So they're common elements of um, of teaching qualifications. Yeah. CELTA and Trinity basically follow the same pattern. So you, sh- you could expect this kind of lesson if you were taking one of those. Mm. They do have slightly de- different um, ideologies of teaching, but, um, you know... You have a similar experience, I it's think. It's a very similar experience, yeah. Both of these courses are quite pricey, but they're well worth the investment in terms of opportunities, especially if you want to be teaching, you know, if you want teaching to be your main income stream mm. or something that you can pick up anywhere. 
I mean, that's what we did it because we really wanted, well, we wanted to teach, but we also wanted a job that we could use anywhere. And we'd already looked online and there were jobs everywhere, all over the world. Everyone wants English teachers. So Yeah, so coming out of university, debt-laden and desperate to travel, um, that was a very good career option. Yeah. And there are also good online and short-term courses available. And unfortunately, there are a lot of cowboy operations. I've heard good things about eye to eye, which can also arrange interesting volunteer and paid work opportunities when you finish your course. Yeah, eye to eye is quite good. We were investigating all of the online courses for um, our affiliate program, which we run through the podcast. And having a look at the different kind of online teaching qualifications you could do, and eye to eye was the only one where we could find people that were happy to talk about the course and happy with the experience. Mm-hmm. And we've also met uh, one person in Italy who is teaching full-time using their I2I qualification. So um, that's kind of the one that's online that we've heard good things about. Yeah. If you, if you don't want any qualifications but you do just want to do some teaching, you could find one of the summer or winter camp opportunities that allow you to volunteer as a native English speaker. Yeah, that's and, volunteer in uh, floating quote marks. Yeah, well, they usually give you accommodation and, and food or a food allowance, mm. although some of them don't. Uh, there's one in um, Madrid that looks quite good, and they uh, they give you accommodation and food, but you have to get yourself there and put yourself up the night before and put yourself up the night after, and it can get a bit expensive. Yeah, the course starts on Monday morning, I think, but they don't <laughs> give you accommodation on Sunday night. No, but so you have to be there on Sunday you night. Have to, you have to be there. But, yeah. um, ah, we looked into mental. it, but it was just, I mean, Madrid is really expensive as well, so we decided not to do it. But some of these opportunities do include, include a short course in English teaching before your contract begins, so at least you have some idea of what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's quite nice. <laughs> we did one in Italy, and they had a... three-day course before we started yeah it was a three-day course and for that one that was with are we naming names why not that was with ACLE A-C-L-E and um, you can go over there and volunteer for them visa-free if you're from America and some other countries too but um, they'd pay you a weekly stipend which covered your accommodation they'd put you in with a host family so um, you'd probably be with the family of one of your students for the time you were there. But um, before you started, they run a course for three days on teaching practice. And so, the course is in the most beautiful village, oh, Kubada. Yeah. We had the best time there because it was just so gorgeous. It was lovely, yeah. So, yeah, it's just this medieval village on top of a mountain at the back of San Remo. Yeah. And, um, oh, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, but, so if um, you are thinking about getting into teaching but you're not sure, that could be a good place to start, just doing a two- or three-week stint with that clay. Yeah, these volunteer courses are quite cool. But do be careful. There are, um, for Ackley, I was going to say, you do need to pay for that three-day course. So you need to work for them long enough to um, to make that worth your while. This is true. So volunteer and, and floating quotes, we often get paid. We also got an email from Amy who asked us specifically about courses in the United States. And Craig sent her an email which basically said... I have no idea about courses in the States, unfortunately. I was asked the same question by someone else today and Googled just to make sure the international qualifications exist in the States, because, you know, the States are weird. And (laughs) sure enough, you can do Trinity TESOL and CELTA almost anywhere. So I've got no idea about the quality of training providers where you are, but the courses are standardized. Trinity TESOL and CELTA are the most recognized courses worldwide. CELTA is best. 
They're both expensive. If there's not much in it, go with Celta. They'll probably be full-time, month-long courses. It is cheaper to do the eye-to-eye course online, but it's not well recognised. You might have trouble getting interviews at the top schools in Europe. If you're planning on teaching in Asia, Africa, or Eastern Europe, it'll be enough to have this, especially if you have a university degree in anything. I guess it all depends on how much teaching you plan to do. Is it a backup or a semi-full-time thing? After you get a few jobs, the references matter more than the qualifications. This is a statement we ought to qualify a bit. Many jobs will list CELTA as their minimum application requirements. So if there's a high response to a job listing, you're unlikely to get you're unlikely to get noticed, no matter who you've taught with. Yeah, that's true, but if you're approaching companies directly, they're seeing your personality first. If, if you're walking in to talk with the DOS or if you're calling the manager, um, you might have a better chance, even if you don't have the qualifications. Yeah, we've only not got one job because of our qualifications, and that was with a company that just said, if you don't have CELTA, we don't want to know. Yeah. And, I mean, we have Trinity, so it's not like it's... it's they're both regarded quite highly. But no, they just said CELTA or nothing. Yeah, so, you know, like all big corporations, schools operate the same way, so they have their set policies. And if you don't meet them, you don't meet them. Yeah. Um, I mean, next week we're going to be talking more about work and finding work. But one thing I would recommend when you're considering your qualifications is to have a look on some ESL job sites for the, com- uh, for the countries sorry, that you want to teach in. And there you can get a really good idea of what their current minimum requirements are. Yeah, that's a great idea. So, you know, it does vary from country to country. If you want to work in a private school, it's different from working in a university, say. So uh, it's a good idea, you know. Go have a look at the job boards for the countries you want to travel in, and you can get an idea of what you need. Well, I think that's about all we have to say about getting a qualification in English teaching. Yeah. If, If you're interested, just give us an email and we'll give you more information yep um and those eye to eye courses like i said uh we do have an affiliate program running with them and so if you um come and click through the site i think we get you a bit of a discount on that that'd be nice gonna have to check that out but (laughs) come have a look at this post and we'll see what we can do well the poll of the month is finished for the last two months we've been asking how many countries people have been to 177 people voted you sound really weird (laughs) (laughs) awesome So, 177 people voted, and our top range was 6 to 10 countries. So, 49 people had been to 6 to 10 countries, closely followed by 37 people who had been to 2 to 5, and 30 had been to 11 to 15. And just 10 people had over 40. Including me! And not including me. I'm trying to catch up. Where have you been that I haven't? Oh, I'm so annoyed! Malaysia! I'm so annoyed! (laughs) I've been to about four more countries than Craig, and one of them is Malaysia. So I'm really, really annoyed that we're going to Malaysia, because that means Craig gets to catch up. I'm happy. I've got to catch up. So I've got to get to Malaysia, Singapore. We're so not doing a day trip to Singapore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To Mexico. Yep. And Samoa and Kenya. Oh, five. So you've got five, wow, for another two weeks. Shut up. (laughs) Well, this month on the poll, we're asking, what luxury can't you live without? Drop by the site and... Make democracy happen. You can add new new items to the poll, so feel free. You might also want to chip in on the budgeting debate, which has begun in the articles section. Last week, Jessica Spaulding published a great little article on how she manages her budget. And Jessica lives in a car, so she's really living 
on the road. road. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the complete opposite of the approach that Linda and I advocated a few weeks ago on the show. So Linda's weighed in with her budget advice in a written form. So please come by the articles section and have a look at those two articles, jump into the comments, critique everything and share your better ideas for money management while traveling yeah how do you do it we'd be really interested to know you want to know something exciting oh ooh. some of the material in this episode came from a book i've written on traveling in europe no yeah it's going to be called indie travel guides traveling europe it's a great title succinct huh uh-huh I've taken the most frequently asked questions we get sent added a few important points and dealt with them all so I've sent out some manuscript copies to get reviews, and after I get those back and I've rewritten everything, we'll have a designer doing the layout later this month. Very exciting. Yeah, you don't look very excited. I'm excited. Anyway, at the beginning of our show, we said that the our income from teaching was about 95% of our income, and... By the time we get to South America at the end of 2009, we want to have kind of weaned ourselves off of that a bit. We're um, happy to keep teaching, but we'd like to be getting income from other sources. Yeah, so thank you to everyone who books hostels and insurance through us. Thanks to everyone who's bought rail passes, people that have um, bought their travel gear um, through the Indie Travel Podcast shop. Thank you very much, and um, yeah, please continue to do so. <laughs> Yeah, that helps us fund our travels, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, it also keeps this website online because it costs us about thirty US dollars a month just to to run the site if we forget about gear and equipment. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we're just earning enough to stay solvent on the site at the moment. So, thanks for your purchases and thanks for your donations. Well, that's the Indie Travel Podcast for this week. Next Friday, we'll be one day away from Malaysia. I can't believe it's that close. Yeah. And we'll be talking about finding work when you're traveling. So until next week, travel well.